We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. If Chicago cannot move out of the first-round pick and they have to take a game-changer, it's either got to be Will Anderson or Carter from Georgia. Most of the time and most of the draft boards that I've been involved with and have seen, you have a lot more depth to go get a potential pass rusher than you do maybe a game-wrecking under-tackle or a game-wrecking three-tech league like Carter is for Georgia. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, that is the voice of Rick Spielman. He was a... Uh... A football executive here, obviously in Miami, and a longtime general manager of the Minnesota Vikings, and a uh, a great friend of the program. And by that, I mean a man that taught me the NFL when uh, when first I started covering it. Rick, good morning. How are you, buddy? Oh my God, is that are you you're full of BS this morning already? <laughs> you taught me a lot. Wow, that's wow. Why I got where I got. <laughs> If I had said that, you'd never have gone along. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> oh, Rick, you're a great man. Uh, and you've got a podcast now. I was listening to it yesterday. It dropped on Monday. It, it's uh, every Monday, I think it drops. It's called With the yeah. First Pick. Uh, CBS, you can get it wherever you find your, your podcast. And, uh, and Rick and Ryan Wilson, uh, you guys did your first mock draft. And, of course, you yeah. went first. And yet you settled on, and again, there were no trades allowed, so obviously the Bears no. will be looking to trade, but you settled on Jalen Carter. Uh, can you explain why he would be the right guy for the Bears if indeed they don't trade down, or maybe even with a trade down, Rick? Well, what I was going to do is take a quarterback there just to stir the uh, pot a little bit. <laughs> oh, my. That's like the first one. Let's not come out the gate so strong right off the bat. <laughs> 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 but the reason I, I, I went with Carter over Anderson is I know the depth. Uh, there's a lot of good players uh, that are pass rushers, and I'll be down at the Senior Bowl, and, and there's there's a really good group of senior rushers down there, plus the juniors coming out, where it's always been difficult for teams to find that inside dominant player. And if you can get a guy like a Jalen Carter that is not only a, a physical beast against the run, but he's such a unique athlete and how he can get some pressure on the inside. Because when you're watching these games, if you have two good edge rushers, but the quarterback's able to step up in the pocket like the Brady's of the world, and you don't have pressure in his face, uh, then they're going to just pick you apart like a seven-on-seven drill. But when you can generate pressure on the outside and you can generate especially a game-changer on the inside, 
Uh, usually great defenses have one of those type of defensive tackles, and I think Jalen Carter fits that. Rick, it's so early in the process. Can you help us understand the timetable of what to expect moving forward? Ryan Poles obviously has that number one overall pick. There's such value in that that there's this expectation that if you're in the Bears situation, you do want to trade down. You do want to maximize the value of that by getting maybe multiple picks and plan for the future, but also help your roster in 2023. When will these conversations start to take place, and how much pressure do you think Ryan Poles feels to maximize the value of that pick? Well, during my uh, career, I've traded up and down a lot. In fact, uh, a lot of the Vikings fans thought that I would trade my uh, mother for a seventh-round pick if I could. So. <laughs> and my mother was very offended by that, but that's fine. But uh, there's not a lot going on right now. Teams are right now game planning on how they're going to improve their roster, whether – First, you have to evaluate your own roster. Then you'll go into the free agent. What's free agency going to look like? What's the strength of the positions in free agency? And then the draft. So you're kind of putting this game plan together over the next month or so. The initial talks, to be honest with you, usually start at the combine because if there's going to be a trade, especially with a player, that's where a lot of those deals will initially uh, get started. The draft stuff may linger. Uh, because I would hold on to it as long as I can. And the reason I say that is with Houston and Indianapolis in the same division, both needing a franchise quarterback, it'll be interesting to see how Ryan Poles plays this out. And can are you able to, to uh, play one against the other, uh, especially at division rivals, especially both teams needing a franchise quarterback. So, I wouldn't expect anything from a trade just draft to move down or up, uh, you know, until near the draft or actually when they're on the clock or right before they go on the clock. He's Rick Spielman joining us on the Signature Bank Score Hotline, Signature Bank, making commercial banking personal. And, Rick, you're a great man to talk to because the Bears obviously just uh, got themselves a new team president, um, Kevin Warren, who you know well. From uh, the years in Minnesota, what did you think when the Bears hired him, and uh, and and how, you know, how important is that job in the NFL? Yeah, no, I thought it was a great hire, and for Chicago to go out and be able to land a Kevin Warren uh, with all his vast experience, not only in the NFL, but you, you just hired uh, a Big Ten commissioner and maybe one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful. Uh, top conferences in the country and what he was able to accomplish there uh, and how the TV deals he got for the Big Ten and and, uh, bringing in the uh, USC and UCLA. But what they're getting is they're getting a really strong leader. He's a guy that uh, works extremely hard, excellent communication skills. He has that aura about him that people that are around him want to follow him. And he's a great listener because I know there's going to be a lot of things going on with the potential of a new stadium. And he was phenomenal leading our organization uh, when we built the new stadium in downtown Minneapolis and actually uh, was, a, was led the uh, way on the uh, new practice facility that we had. But working with Kevin, he understands. He, I've always ran the football side. He's always ran the business side. But to work with him hand-in-hand, hand, I, I learned a lot about the business side. 
Um, you know, if I had any questions on the football side that I wanted to get an outside perspective from the football operation side of things, he was a great person to bounce that off of. So I think he's going to be a, a – I thought it was just a phenomenal hire for the Chicago Bears. Rick, you understand the dynamic at Hallis Hall from having worked there and certainly your experience in Minnesota. And here, as you can imagine, understanding Chicago as you do, the conversation shifts to Ryan Poles reporting to Kevin Warren and wondering where that line is between you know, separating the business and the football. And can a, a team president be involved in football matters? Should he be and what role he could play? If you're Ryan Poles, how much do you welcome that uh, involvement? How much do you resist it? Well, I, I would be a total uh, open arms welcoming him that because of the vast experience that Kevin Warren does have. But I think that when you're in a building, it's not a business side. It's not a football side. It's an entire organization that co- needs to come together. And I remember Kevin uh, getting me involved in some of the business side when I worked with him and and making sure that whether you're directly or indirectly involved with that football team, everybody in that organization has a part on that product, which goes on the field on Sundays. And for example, you know, being and working through with Kevin and seeing how his people skills and how he, he uh, embraced everybody. I learned, for example, the lady that's the receptionist uh, that is answering the calls uh, from fans, well, that's the voice of the organization, and her job is extremely important, although she may be just a receptionist. Mm-hmm. So, But when she, when pe- the fans call her and how her attitude is towards those fans, because there could be a lot of angry fans at times, uh, that's the representation that person uh, gets from talking to that receptionist. So that is critical. And even though Every piece of that organization, like I said, whether directly or indirectly, will have a piece of what that product looks like on the field. I talked to our people that are Vikings Entertainment Network uh, and how important that atmosphere was to create that home field advantage for us, uh, you know, in U.S. Bank Stadium and what an incredible job they did. Well, if they can get the fans riled up, it gets the players riled up and it gives us a home field advantage. So they didn't actually make the game plan. They didn't actually select the players, but that atmosphere and environment they created was a critical piece of us having such a good home record. So I think Kevin, and if you embrace that in Chicago, it's one organization. It's not two separate entities. And usually most of the franchises that embrace that theory, in my opinion, uh, have the best chance for success, both on the business and football side. Let's let's cut to the chase, Rick. How often did he tell you who to draft? That's the question. <laughs> Kevin Kevin understands the business, you know, and he's never going to come in and say draft this or hey, do that. Kevin's approach uh, when we worked together and both of us were reported directly to the ownership, but it, you know, Kevin's was well, it's our responsibility to go up there, out there, sell tickets, marketing, whatever we do to bring money into the organization. And basically my job was what they were bringing in. We'd go out and spend. So, um, but that's, I think that's how everything should work. But Kevin understands the boundaries. He knows his strengths. He's there uh, because he worked with Dick Vermeil. You know, he's, he's worked with the lions. He's worked with, so he's seen it all. And, you know, even when we had to work on things on the football side, whether it was contract related stuff with coaches or, 
or front office people, he was always there, and we always had great dialogue and open conversation. So let's separate fact from fiction, uh, Rick. The 2021 draft, there were reports at the time that you were really compelled to move up to get Justin Fields. So how compelled did, were you at that time, and what do the Bears have in Justin Fields? Well, I, I, I can't remember that far back. That's why I'm retired down here in Florida right now. <laughs> Sitting on my deck at the sun rising and it's 75 degrees, but don't, let's not get into that. Um, watching Justin Fields, there's no, it's incredible the athlete that he is and everybody's seen the ability on how he could make plays with his legs. And I think what Chicago did a great job of this year and Getsy was especially, okay, if this isn't working, this offense isn't working for Justin Fields. We need to build a offensive scheme around what Justin Fields does well. And I think you saw that in the second half of the year and, and how well Justin played. I think he improved as a passer. I don't think you're ever going to see him just sit in a pocket and go through progressions like, okay, option one, option two, option three. That's not what his deal is. Um, but I think the more and more he plays, the more comfortable he's getting the game slowing down for him where he can get through those progressions quicker, but you're always going to have to design an offense that lets the defense know at any time this guy can hurt us with his legs. It's interesting when, when I think of that draft because it was Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. that They were going to be the one-two guys. And then by the time you got to draft day, it was still the Trevor Lawrence draft, but Zach Wilson was the number two pick and Trey Lance – they traded up, uh, obviously, famously, the the uh, Niners did for him. And those were kind of, you know, almost like created players, right? And then it was uh, Fields and, and Mack. Um, when, you, when you think about how, you know, you're doing a podcast now on the draft. You've, you've done tons of drafts yourself. Why do guys get hot? Why do they move when it's maybe not on the tape? Is it the value of the position? Do people create players somehow? I think people try, and, and I'll be the first to admit, I made some mistakes drafting quarterbacks uh, because you you have to have one. And sometimes where teams make mistakes or is that you see one thing and you've done all this tape work on film and you have an initial grade on them, then we go through all this pre-draft process, the psychological testing, the medical scores. You go probably to the pro day workout or if you have a private workout with the quarterback. And that will push especially that position up some if they're very impressive through that pre-draft process. What I've learned over the years is we always, once we had our initial grade on them, on what we saw them just as football players before we got all the other information that we needed, uh, that we would keep them in that same range on that board because we weren't going to let a workout affect our judgment mm -hmm. or, you know, uh, anything else. So, we would manipulate in that area of the board, but we would not say, okay, we have them in the third round, we're going to move them up to the first round. Or we have them in the first round, we're going to move them down into the fourth round. You kind of set your board and then you start manipulating it. And if you want to call it massaging it, or I will call it weaving, uh, weaving it together as you get all the other information that comes in. You know, I think people wonder in Chicago, Rick, how valuable that first overall pick truly is in terms of, the return the Bears could get. And I know every year might be different and everything might be about supply and demand and maybe where a team is moving from. 
But generally speaking, do you have a ballpark about what the Bears could get in return for that number one pick that Ryan Poles might auction off? You know, I think it's it's really has changed, but you can see the history. And I, I'm sorry I didn't go back and uh, do my studying on every uh, quarterback <laughs> that was traded for in the first round and what those values are. But that's where you kind of get the initial baseline. What's different in this year's draft than there was in last year's draft. Last year, there wasn't a quarterback that was even rated probably in the top 10 or top 15. So Jacksonville was stuck with the number one overall pick. What's a huge advantage for Chicago is that you have some viable options at the most critical position on the roster uh, that are worthy of the number one pick. Are they Trevor Lawrence? You know, I don't think anyone's going to say right now that any of these guys are going to be Trevor Lawrence, but there are a lot of options out there. So when you have supply and you have demand, especially what we talked about earlier, the Houston Indy, and even Carolina, because I know that owner, and just reading from the, uh, the clips on the outside, they want to get that issue resolved because they kind of like were indie where they just been flipping through uh, veterans with Baker Mayfield, with Sam Darnold. They want to get a young guy that that organization can grow with. So they may get overly aggressive to try to get up there and get one of these three. But it all depends, you know, on how teams end up with their final draft boards and how they see these quarterbacks. But at least Chicago is in a much better position than Jacksonville, Jacksonville was last year uh, because of the uh, maybe, I say, supply of quarterbacks that could potentially be worthy of the first overall pick. Rick, we were having a conversation earlier in the program about, you know, the fact that Luke Getze is going to be coaching down at the uh, Senior Bowl and they've got some other assistants there. And just the idea that you can learn a little something about a guy, maybe how how uh, quickly he picks something up, whatever it might be in a week of practices. The one thing that kind of separates players in the NFL and really all major sports, this idea, like how much do you love what you're doing? How much do you love the game? What's your passion level? How much do you want to maximize your talent? And that has always been one of the great mysteries when it comes to drafting players because you see different guys and they've got an unbelievable work ethic and then you see other guys – and you can see on tape that, you know, maybe they're too good for the level they're at and they're not pushing as hard as they should. How do you figure that out? What, what is the process that you have to go through to figure out how much a guy is passionate about his job? Yeah, that's one of the things that we really put a point of emphasis on is because I don't care how much you pay a person. Like, Molly, if you didn't love the radio, you would probably wouldn't be as effective getting up every morning early to entertain your fans. Plus they pay you a ton of money to do it too, but that's <laughs> a whole nother subject. <laughs> if you got my tax returns again, Rick, <laughs> <laughs> I got Molly's. It was, it, I mean, Jesus public knowledge, how much he makes. Holy cow. <laughs> I got in the wrong business. I should never got on the front office side of the NFL. That's true. That's funny. So I, I think that's the, the one of the burning bush questions, and we tried to tackle that with the type of psychological testing that we did um, because, you know, you, you always are uh, maybe your red flag or your awareness goes up when all of a sudden a guy is underachieving to his physical ability and all of a sudden the last year of his contract or his senior year, then he just balls out for some reason. Now, some of it's because of development. You know, I remember Joe Burrow didn't play as well 
the year before he came out. Then when he came out, you know, he ended up being a, as good of a quarterback as you can get coming out of the draft. Uh, but those are the things that you try to delve into with your resource, with your sources that you talk to, uh, with actually how you interview the player. Uh, I actually had special operations uh, forces come in that do that for a living that I don't want to say interrogating, but trying to get the rehearsed answers that you're going to get from these players to really dive down deep and figure out what makes these players tick or why do they love football and and try to come up with those answers. Because every guy that I missed on uh, wasn't because of its physical talent. It was because when we looked at it, we put a U uh, right next to their uh, number grade. So we knew that he was an underachiever for where he should be playing. And that was a red flag for us. So that's when we start diving into those guys and the psychological testing and the interviews and things like that to determine whether this guy really, really wanted to, to love football or he doesn't love football. Rick, quickly before we let you go, the Bears will be obviously looking to trade that pick, but they uh, there will be some conversations, maybe not at Hallis Hall, but some suggestion about they should trade Justin Fields or move on from Justin Fields and use that pick themselves for a quarterback. I don't think that's the way they go, but do the quarterbacks coming out look like they are potentially good enough or better than what the Bears have right now? Well, that's what you have to talk about internally. We know what Justin Fields is, and we saw we've been around him now for a year, so we know his work habits. We know his leadership skills. We know how the players feel about him. Uh, We know what he can and can't do, what his strengths and weaknesses are. If you decide to trade him, which I don't think they should, I think that would be a mistake, then you're starting over from scratch, and how do you know you got something better than Justin Fields? On paper, it may say that, but do you truly know? Uh, Because you're still as much resources and energy and monies that you're putting into the draft to try to get, it's still a subjective decision because you don't know until they're actually in the building and you're going through that process. So they know what they have in Justin Fields, and if they don't like Justin Fields or that's not part, then, yeah, I would trade him. But I don't think – I think he's too talented of a player. And when you look at all these players, the the two is of the world, the hearse of the world, look at the jump they made from their second to third year. Even go back to Josh Allen. And I expect that same type of jump uh, with Justin Fields. Hey, Rick, thanks a ton, man. Great stuff all the way around. Really appreciate your time. And, again, let everyone know the – the 33rd team, you're working with them. And uh, if you want more of this draft information, just uh, with the first pick is the name of the podcast. Thanks so much, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Okay. Yep. Send the check down, Molly. I'll be <laughs> fine. <laughs> they, they'll bounce in any state, Rick. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. God bless. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. That is Rick Spielman. Wow. That was fun to talk about. I mean, that gives you a lot of insight. Did you know that you should waterboard any prospect you're looking at? I did not know that. (laughs) Special ops. Goodness sakes. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and the U next to the name is not something you want because it says underachiever. Yeah, that is scary. All right, 312-644-6767. It's Mully and Haw on the score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. So let's separate fact from fiction, uh, Rick. The 2021 draft, there were reports at the time that you were really compelled to move up to get Justin Fields. So how compelled did, were you at that time? And what do the Bears have in Justin Fields? Oh, I, I, I can't remember that far back. That's why I'm retired down here in Florida <laughs> right now. <laughs> Sitting on my deck at the sun rising and it's 75 degrees. But nope, let's not get into that. Molly and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 in the score. Don't you love how anybody that is not in Chicago loves to mention the weather where they're at? Yeah, exactly. Rick knows what he's doing. He's he jabbing us. He knows what he's us. doing. And he did not want to revisit the 2021 draft because right. there were – But he did. Uh, slightly, they, they took uh, Christian Derrissaw in that draft. Right. And then they took Kellen Mond in the third round, I believe. Mm-hmm. So the, the post-draft reports that year – there might even been a video or something to that effect, but they were talking about moving up to get Justin Fields, and the Bears were able to pull it off. And um, I found his insight very interesting in terms of, number one, what the Bears should do in keeping Justin Fields. Apparently that's a debate. I don't know why it is, but he reaffirmed that. And also the sh- the shifting, changing value of what the number one overall pick is worth. Yes, It just depends on how driven or fixated a franchise will be to move up if they fall in love with the guy, as you referred to, and it's a great term, the created player. If Will Levis, for instance, in this example, an exercise, becomes known as the next second coming of Josh Allen, then somebody may fall in love with that notion and say, you know what, we need to get him, we have to have him, we're going to move up to draft him. And maybe it's the Carolina Panthers, and maybe they'll give up two number ones. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, again, all of this will unfold, and I do believe that a quarterback will be taken with the first pick because I think the Bears are willing to trade it. But there's a lot to monitor until we get to that point. And uh, you know, one of the things, you know, if if um, if the USC quarterback were coming out, you'd have a decision to make. Well. No doubt about it, Molly. That that's a hypothetical. You're exactly right. You could say the same thing about what would have happened in you know any given draft. The year Joe Burrow was available, right? The year 
that Trevor Lawrence yes, was available. No These are the kind of guys who were obvious number one overall picks. The Andrew Lux of draft history. That guy isn't there this year. I don't N- think he is. Next no. year, I think he will be. I'm I'm in agreement yep. with you. Yeah. D- Dustin is the the resistor here, but but Caleb Williams yes is as close to what we may see in a in a future Patrick Mahomes like quarterback. Yes. Than we have in a while since yes. Patrick Mahomes. And I think if a player like that was coming out, then you'd have a hard decision to make. I don't know that this decision is that hard. I think that when you like when you consider the teams that have drafted a quarterback like year after year, right? So if you if you take Josh Rosen and then the next year you wind up with the number one pick and you got Kyler Murray sitting there, I think that's not a hard decision. I think that you you had one guy and it didn't work out, so there you go next. The same thing happened the year Cam Newton was drafted, right? Hadn't they drafted a quarterback uh, the year before? They used a first round pick on a quarterback, and then but it's Cam Newton, and you go and you take him, and you wind up in a Super Bowl. So I think that I think that that is the kind of thing that that is more of an obvious decision. I think Justin Fields has been much better than those guys. And I think the fact that, that he has developed uh, the running skills, he never showed that in college. I mean, he was always a very good runner. That's the key point there, Molly. Justin Fields, in our view, has earned the benefit of the doubt. Right. In a way that, that if you, that Josh Rosen didn't, frankly, and the, the Carolina Panther reference that you're making is Jimmy Clausen. That's right. Second they, round the, oh, the, the previous second. year. Okay, I'm sorry. But it was a high it was a forty eighth overall pick. Yeah. But he was their quarterback of the future. Right. And they drafted Cam Newton anyway because he was one of those guys you could not pass up on. I don't think that guy exists in this year's draft relative to what the Bears have right now. So any suggestion about them having to trade I th- Justin Fields or wanting to consider that to me just strikes it, it, it seems like somebody's trying to either be provocative or it seems like clickbait or conversation that I guess you have to explore because it's so long before the draft, but I just don't think it's very realistic. I think I understand, again, that there are concerns about his ability in the passing game, right? I don't think he has concerns about it. I think what, what Rick, the point that Rick made, which was excellent, is that they know his leadership ability, they know his work ethic, and they know his toughness. Well, and toughness might be an underrated quality in a quarterback. But he has – I would give him positive grades in all those three things. How is he going to get better as a passer? Because he's going to work his tail off. How is he going to get better in the passing game? You get him things around him that will help him, and then you'll see him get better. I, I don't think – I think the fact that he's developed the, the, his skill as a runner – is is I mean he's gotten better as a running quarterback since he's been here. No and question. It's, it's pretty extraordinary how good he's gotten. I think he'll have a jump like that in the passing game. I think he wants to be a passer. I think he considers himself a passer, and I think that 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 is going to be the progress that he makes. It's it's going to be a shift away from just the running game, although an amazing thing he can do. See, I, I think and so he'll too. Pass better. I think it's well put because let's go back to what else we talked to Rick Spielman about. The hardest thing to measure in any draft prospect, and frankly, maybe young players, is their commitment to improvement. How much do they love the game? Do they love it enough to spend every waking minute trying to get better at it? Yeah. And what you just described with Justin Fields is accurate because you know him from having coached him. He is in your building already. 
you don't have to put him through an interrogation to understand does he realize what he needs to do to become a more polished passer. That's what I think has been this sort of sometimes frustrating exercise in acknowledging that Justin Fields has a ways to go as a passer. That's not criticism as much as it is just uh, objective analysis of where he is and what he needs to do. He gets it. Yeah. The Bears understand it. And they also have confidence that he will do it because he is somebody who is tough. He is committed and he's a leader. And those are things that you know from having him in your building. And that's what I think will prevent them from wanting to move on from him so quickly because he he's worth keeping and he's worth worth you can win because of Justin Fields. And and I gotta tell you, so we got a texter immediately says, You guys are trying to sell us on Fields. We're not buying. Uh, you know, speak for yourself. At any rate, I think the thing you've got to you gotta keep contained in your own mind about this is that when you talk about Justin Fields, this is going to be his first full year in the in the system he's in, right? He's going to be able to go into an offseason knowing the offense for the first time in God knows how long, right, since college. And he's going to be able to, to develop and get better, and hopefully they have things around him to help him get better. And it's, it is – we in Chicago have not seen quarterback development – this is what it looks like. Right. It, you know, it, it looks like a guy, oh, my God, you know, he's not a good passer. Oh, that guy's actually passing the ball pretty well. There are it's, – it's, it's not a straight line of getting better, but there are, there are jumps that you make. He made a big jump yeah. this year, even with a losing team, even without talent around him, and that's going to continue. He's going to get better in other aspects of the game – you just haven't seen it because we haven't watched it happen. Either, either you get a guy like Cutler who comes in here and already could play, and and you know maybe you have to change your whole team around to try to get him to play. But I don't know. But you've never seen anybody in maybe Sid Luckman was like a running quarterback. <laughs> nobody who got saw better. him. No one but, saw but him. Look, nobody's trying to sell anything. I don't really care if you buy into Justin Fields or not. From what what I'm telling you, what I think what we're saying is the practical approach. For the Bears, the most sensible approach is to keep what you have, and 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 bank on his improvement because of what you've seen from him as a as a player, as a professional. But you also have this unique skill set. Now that you have to learn how to build around him and make him better, make make your offense better. I, that's not selling anything as much as it is explaining why the Bears are in the position where their best option to get where they want to go is to keep him and to supplement the offense with better weapons because then you'll get a better quarterback. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more, David. I, I just don't think there's a – you know, again, we'll see how the whole thing breaks down, but I don't think there's a better option. Uh, but I do know this. I know we're heading to Paris. Oui, oui. Oui, oui, mon ami. Je l'appelle Lafayette. I, I just only know most of my French from – uh, watching the play Hamilton. But we are going to bring in uh, Chuck Swirsky. We're going to talk to the man who's on the scene, and uh, and we'll do that next. Mully and Hall on the score. Put him in the Hall of Fame! Put him in the Hall! Bonjour à tous. Bienvenue au NBA Paris Game 2023. On est super excités de recevoir les Chicago Bulls et les Detroit Pistons aujourd'hui à Paris pour le second match de saison régulière qui se joue en France. 
Hi everyone, welcome to the uh, NBA Paris game 2023. We are super excited to get the Bulls and the Detroit Pistons uh, here in Paris uh, for the second regular uh, game here in France. <laughs> What a joy it is to bring in our friend Chuck Swirsky. You'll be hearing him very shortly and Chuck is in Paris. The coverage starts on the score at 1.45. It's going to be a, a real special day, and uh, we're delighted to welcome Chuck on the Signature Bank Score Hotline. Signature Bank, making commercial banking personal. Hey, Chuck, how are you? Did you say Paris? What? Wait, <laughs> I'm in Venice. <laughs> oh, Chuck, that's funny. How, how much fun are you having, Chuck? Anyway, hey, guys, I, this has been a terrific week. I mean, it's really been great. Uh, players are having a great time, organization. The NBA has done a first class, and now we have a basketball game. It, it feels like a special event. I mean, I know that uh, maybe that's just because I get to watch the Bulls at 2 o'clock in the afternoon instead of at 10 o'clock at night, and uh, getting up for the morning show is difficult. But uh, I'm really pumped up about all the kind of fanfare You know, seeing the ex-players there, seeing it's fashion week, for God's sake. You got a, you got a proposal, a successful marriage proposal. That, I, you couldn't ask for much more. Absolutely. I mean, there are a ton of former marquee-named players, former players that have passed through Paris over the last week. A number of them will be attending the game uh, tonight or this afternoon, depending on what time zone you're talking about. But um, as far as just the NBA, you know, the, the Olympics are here, Molly, in two years. Yep. And this is almost like an appetizer for that because the Bulls were in Rio de Janeiro a few years ago uh, as a prelude to the Olympic Games there. So I think from a branding standpoint with the Bulls brand, we see a lot of kids on the streets here and young adults wearing Chicago Bulls hoodies and jerseys and uh, you know it's just amazing globally how where this game is at uh, the NBA has a nationally televised game uh, every week on French television um, it's very early in the morning but uh, talking with a number of fans that are around the hotel in downtown uh, area that they stay up for the game they either tape it or stay up So I think the uh, the league is alive and well, and of course, the number one pick in the NBA draft in 2023 is going to be a young man, 19 years old. He just turned 19 from France, Victor Wembanyama, and uh, he is expected to be at the game today. And in about uh, nine, eight, nine months, he's going to be playing against the Bulls. Hmm. That's an intriguing concept, uh, Chuck. Uh, he looks like he's ready to play against anybody right now and dominate. But let's get back to the trip at hand. You have posted photos from the Eiffel Tower. Saw you in front of the Mona Lisa. Uh, you've posted a croissant photo this morning, Chuck. What's been the <laughs> highlight of your week? Definitely the croissant. <laughs> Mona Lisa can take a backseat to the chocolate croissant. Um, they are delicious. Oh, my goodness. And the uh, bakeries, um, you know, I'm not one really to go into a bakery store and to, you know, just Google it, all the things that are going on there. 
But, uh, wow, I mean, it's impressive. It really is. Um, you know, the shopping is great. I've kind of stayed away from that area because it's very, very expensive. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, it's been a, a wonderful, wonderful experience. You know, um, obviously, it's a, it, you're, you're there for work, obviously. It is not um, just a, a fun place to go. And I, and I was in Paris this summer, and I had an, a glorious time. It's a wonderful place to go. But I'm curious, Chuck, when you, when you think about the guys being together, all of the bus rides, all the fun touristy stuff, do, do you sense that it is bringing the team closer? And, and was that needed, or is that just a, something that happens over the course of a season anyway? You, you know what, Molly? I think it happens over the course of a season. I mean, these players are, are very accustomed uh, to traveling long you know, road trips, so to speak. Uh, but in this case, because there are so many events through the NBA, they were brought together. But this is a tight unit. I know the win-loss record doesn't you know, reflect this, but this club, uh, they, they do a lot of things together. And so I think this was an add-on. Um, I think it's a great bonus, and I think the players are appreciative of the fact they're representing Chicago and the Bulls organization and the NBA in this manner. I, I mean, honestly, and I'm, I'm being very transparent about this, the Bulls have dominated the attention in this city mm. that you wouldn't really know unless you were a hardcore NBA fan who their opponent is. <laughs> Chuck, a basketball question. So the last time the Bulls played was Sunday. Vooch had 43. DeMar DeRozan didn't play. He said postgame something very interesting about how he was freer to do things. I don't think it was a direct reference to not having DeRozan there, but certainly – he functions and it seems to flow more easily when things aren't as clogged in the lane. I, you get DeRozan back today. How can he remain effective and still obviously have DeMar DeRozan do his thing with Zach Levine being the other member of the big three? Can they all kind of work together in a way that is getting the most out of each individual player? Yeah, well, you know what, David, in answer to your question, uh, it's a two-part question. Number one, um, because the absence of DeRozan, obviously, Vooch got a ton of touches. They went to him early, and he took a lot of shots, which is great. Sometimes he passes up those opportunities for a toss-out on the wing, and sometimes he is just you know, not in a position where he feels he wants to take that, that shot at that spot on the floor. The other thing is you have to keep in mind, Golden State played – predominantly the entire 48 minutes of small ball. They really don't have a big, except Looney, who's 6'9". So Vooch got a ton of touches and made the most of them in the post. Detroit, now Duran is the rookie out of Memphis. He is 50-50 to play today. We'll see when we get to the arena. But Detroit plays a lot of small ball, too. So I'm expecting Vooch to get um, a lot of passes in the post and him to exploit the Detroit interior defense. But I think DeRozan's going to be DeRozan. I think nothing will change there. He's going to take his mid-range, Jay. You know, we, we keep seeing or hearing from Lonzo Ball. Um, he says he wants to play when he hits, whatever, 70 75%. Um, is the, I mean, am, am I wrong to wait on that one? 
Is that something that would just be kind of bonus if it happens and keep it out of mind? Well, you know what? Um, you probably answered your own question because I don't think anyone knows. And, and I'm being very honest about this. To be blunt, I don't think anyone knows if he's playing. I, I think there is optimism that he's getting better, and he probably incrementally is getting better. What that means, though, um, and how that transcends into the future, I have no idea, and I don't think anyone does. I, and, and I honestly believe that he wants to come back. He wants to play. Whether or not his body will allow him to do that this season remains to be seen. I don't think anyone knows. Great stuff, Chuck. Really appreciate it. Hope you enjoy the game, and I uh, hope you're dancing like a Frenchman when it's over. Have fun, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you. That is Chuck Swirsky. Great stuff. Man, yeah. that's pretty cool, huh? What a week. I He said that it seems like the Bulls have dominated the attention. A lot of that has to be because of the Michael Jordan effect still in France. You have to think that a lot of fans familiar with the NBA there are – Largely Jordan fans first, Bulls fans second. Doesn't matter because the Pistons are almost an afterthought. Not that we need to to mention it, but the Bulls are a global phenomenon. Uh, and a lot of reasons why are, are Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan. Yes. And, and those championships and all the rest of it. But they are a team, you know, when Chuck says that the Bulls have been the center of attention, that's not a surprise. No, not They're at all. a huge all. team there. Yeah. So it's going to be fun to uh, – to monitor. All right, we're going to bring in Dane Brugler. We're going to talk to uh, to the draft expert next, and we'll ask him about what to look forward to with the with the Bears and how long this will take. We'll do that when we return. Mully and Hall on the score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 